As you're being seated, if you will open your Bibles, our feature passage today is going to be in Mark chapter 2. Now, you'll remember we are in a four-week series called Finding Rest, and this is week three. On week one, we talked about how Jesus entered the scene with a radical message. Jesus, instead of saying, do this, give this, follow these rules, and then God will like you, Jesus came onto the scene with a contrary message to what people had heard before. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In other words, come to me, all of you who have been trying so hard to do everything right, and you just never seem to be able to measure up. Come to me, all of you who have been trying to follow every law and every rule. Come to me, all of you who are pressing the accelerator in life and and going as fast as you can. Come to me, uh, to the weary dad who's trying to love his family and be the perfect father and just finds himself exhausted Come to me, to the weary mother who who needs strength that she just doesn't have within her. Come to me, to the young mind who is trying to figure out life and the purpose of life and where he or she is going. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He expounds on this. He says, all of you take up my yoke and learn from me. Why? Because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At the heart of this idea is that rest is not going to be found in ourselves. I can't do enough. I can't be smart enough. I, I can't be nice enough. I can't go to church enough to find this rest that Jesus offers in and of myself. Because the, the rest that Jesus offers is not the absence of stress, work, or fear, The rest that Jesus offers is God's presence in you through the Holy Spirit. And as God begins to change you from the inside out, you find a rest in knowing that you have forgiveness for your past, purpose in your present, and hope for the future. And so we discussed these ideas on Easter Sunday, and then last week we talked about how faith is greater than fear. In the world in which we live, we are always aware of what's happening. We have constant information. Whenever there is breaking news, it comes to our phone, it comes to our computer screen immediately, and then we repeatedly see everything that has happened again. And because of this awareness that no other generation that has ever lived experiences us like us, because of that, it's really easy for us to walk around in fear. And we're always afraid of those things over which we have no control. And so we saw in Scripture that the solution to our fears is to have faith in our God. That as we uh, trust in God, it drains our fear and it begins filling us with faith because we find in God a perfect love and we find in God a sovereign strength that even though there is a lot in life that we can't control, a lot in life that tempts us to worry, we don't have to live our lives in the grip of worry because instead God has given us the gift of faith. And we saw how from Hebrews 4 how sometimes God brings you right up to the border. 
God has been growing you and God has been speaking to you and saying something to you in some area of your life and you're right up to the border of a breakthrough. And at that point, you have to decide, am I going to keep trusting God in faith or am I going to retreat in fear? We saw how the children of Israel who had followed God out of slavery and they had seen God work in great ways, they got all the way up to the border of the promised land. And at that point, they had to make a decision. Are we going to keep trusting God and go forward in faith and experience the rest that he has for us Or are we going to cower in fear and retreat back to slavery? The 12 spies went into the land. Ten of them cowered in fear. Two of them went forward in faith. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. The people followed the ten, and instead of experiencing the rest that God had for them, they spent 40 years wandering and ultimately died, never having experienced the rest of the promised land that God had for them. Now today, here's my goal. I want to encourage you to find rest by intentionally unplugging from the world and plugging into God. I want to encourage you in that way. The Bible has a concept that we call the Sabbath. The word Sabbath literally means rest. And you find early on in the narrative of Scripture that rest is a big theme. God created, He worked, and for six days He worked, and what did He do on the seventh day? Are you all resting right now? What did He do on the seventh day? He rested, okay? Uh, The children of Israel, they go out to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He receives the Ten Commandments, and right there in the middle of the Ten Commandments is the command to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible talks about how the Sabbath reminds us of how at the end of life there will be a rest with God in heaven. The Bible says in verse 8 of Hebrews 4, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. So the writer of Hebrews was telling these people, there is a day of rest that is coming in your life. The Sabbath reminds us of that day of rest that is found in Christ at the end of life. So do not retreat. Do not go back to your former way of life. Instead, continue forward towards maturity. Continue marching towards faith just as Israel was supposed to in order to enter the promised land. And this rest that God has for you is awaiting you at the end of life. So whenever we intentionally unplug from the world to plug into God, it reminds us of the rest that is awaiting us in heaven, and it reminds us of the rest that God, that Christ promised us in himself. Now, we live in the New Testament era, and so the Sabbath is not a, a law. It's a principle that we follow. But I want to give you three reasons why you need a Sabbath. The first reason is worship. When you Sabbath, you are intentionally slowing down. But you're not just slowing down to take it easy. You are unplugging in order to plug in to God. And so you need to intentionally Sabbath in your life. For many, Sunday is a 
day of rest, and it's a day of worship. And so you get up, and you come to church, and you sing the songs of praise, you look at the scriptures, you worship God. And then as you go through the day, hopefully you spend some time with family, and you unwind from the weekly activity, and it's a day that you set aside in your week to recharge. I want to encourage you every day to build in some Sabbath time, some time in your life when you stop, some time in your life when you turn off the screens, when you turn off the TV. You're not listening to any uh, music. You're just unplugging from society because this is your time during the day when you talk to God. This is your time during the day when you read the Scriptures and you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you within your soul. Now, there's a second reason why you need a Sabbath, and that is faith. Whenever you take time to slow down and rest, whenever you take time to intentionally be a person of worship, it shows that you are trusting in God's ability to care for you. If you think about the day and time in which the Israelites lived whenever they received this commandment to remember the Sabbath, it was an agrarian economy. You guys know hardworking folks that get up at sunrise and they work all day and they work until the sun goes down and they go to bed and they do it again. A lot of times those folks, they they work seven days a week because there's so much that has to be done. You don't have the luxury of taking a day off and resting. And then God comes to his people who have to plant crops in order to eat. I mean, this is a different day and time. These people are struggling to survive. And he says, hey, one day a week, I don't want you to work. Everybody else may be working, but my people are not going to be working. And on that day, it showed that their trust was in God, that he was going to take care of them. Now, there's a third reason why you need a Sabbath, and that is rest. Now, I know that you think that you're the Energizer Bunny, but the reality is is that you are not designed to be stressed seven days a week. In biblical times, since they worked so hard and they often had strong backs and they worked very hard out in the fields, on the Sabbath day, they sat. I mean, they didn't do much on the Sabbath day. In our day, uh, taking a Sabbath might mean for you taking it easy. It also might mean engaging in some activities that are relaxing, some activities that help you to unplug from the pressures of life and and just relaxing. But the main thing is, is that you are intentionally uh, resting your body and trying to plug into God and truly worship God and, and be intentional about that. Now, here's the problem. From the moment that God laid down this Sabbath principle, human beings have been messing it up. And so if you look with me to Mark chapter 2 and verse 23... You see this unfold in the life of Jesus. The Bible says that on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. And so the Pharisees said to to him, Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, it is likely a March or April day, the weather there and in the Palestine was probably similar to our weather here in March or April. It was a beautiful day, and Jesus and the disciples are going through the grain fields, and they're hungry. 
In Deuteronomy 23, the Bible had said that you can pick grain with your hands if you're hungry and you can partake. And so that is what Jesus and his disciples were doing. But then in verse 24, they run into the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a religious party in Jesus' day. They were very pious. They were very uh, diligent in their study of Scripture. They were always at synagogue or temple. They were very devout in their religious practices. And for that, uh, we applaud them. Yet they had fallen into a trap. They had become legalistic. And so they began to think that they were the Sabbath referees. In fact, they had two big books full of rules. This is what you can do on the Sabbath. This is what you can't. So these guys were running around with a whistle and a notepad. They were the hall monitors. They were telling everybody, hey, I'm in charge. Do this. Don't do this. They were spiritual referees. Now, unfortunately... There are a lot of Christians who, from time to time, fall into what we call legalism. Legalism is whenever you begin thinking that God loves you based upon your performance. So if I do this, then God will love me. And in its fullest form, legalism reaches a point where you begin to think that you will earn your way to grace by doing things that please God. So if I go to church, if I dress a certain way, if I, if I uh, listen to Sandy Patty and Wayne Watson, if I uh, don't cuss, if I do all these good things, then God will love me, then I'll receive grace, and then I will be His. What does the Scriptures teach? For by grace you are saved. We are saved because of our faith in Jesus, not because of the good things that, that we do. We do those things because we are saved, not in order to be saved. But sometimes people begin falling into that trap of legalism. When you fall into that trap of legalism, what will erupt within you is a judgmental spirit. This is why. Because when you're trying to measure up all the time, what you have to do is make yourself look better by making other people look badly. And so you will try to put them down in order to puff yourself up in pride, but at the end of the day, your faith, whenever it falls into legalism, is saturated with pride. And that's where the Pharisees were. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians spend their whole life running around trying to be spiritual referees. And I hope you understand this. No one turns on the TV to watch the game because they have great refs. You know? I mean, these guys, they spend their whole career running around with striped shirts, throwing yellow flags and blowing whistles, and then they retire and nobody misses them. And the same thing's true in Christianity. You were not called to be the spiritual referee. You were called to be like Christ. Well, Jesus says to the Pharisees in verse 25, Have you ever read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And he also gave some to his companions. So Jesus goes back to 1 Samuel chapter 25. And there's this story where David and his companions, they are, they are out to battle and they are famished. And so they, they eat the consecrated bread from the tabernacle. And Jesus is teaching here 
that the Pharisees' Sabbath rules do not take precedence over human need. Essentially, he says to the Pharisees, look, my disciples and I, we were hungry. We're not doing anything wrong here. We need to eat. Chick-fil-A is closed. PDQ is a bit expensive. The rock is not my style. So I told him, get some grains and eat. You got a problem with that? I can see Peter behind Jesus' shoulder. He's kind of jumping up going, yeah, get a life, Pharisees. Get out of here. I mean, Jesus tells them, this is how it is. Well, then in verse 27, uh, Jesus really gets pretty stout here. He says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus said these words, there was probably a gasp amongst the Pharisees. These were jaw-dropping words because he makes two big statements. Number one, God made the Sabbath to help man not to be a burden to you. God gave us this principle of rest. God gave us this principle of unplugging from the world to plug into God because He designed you and He knows that you need this. It is there to help you. Secondly, Jesus said, I am God over the Sabbath. Ultimately, the entire Sabbath points to me. You have a time of rest so that you can know me better, so that you can worship me. So the main idea that I'm trying to get across to you today is that we have to be purposeful in reserving time to rest, unplugging from the pressures of life and the noise of life, and plug in to God. Now, when you're driving down the road and you see a yellow light, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> exactly. Mr. Owen, when I was 16 and I took driver's ed, taught me that uh, uh, the yellow light was a caution light. And that what the yellow light means is that you are, I know this is a novel idea for you guys, supposed to slow down at that point. Okay. Now, in Texas, here's what I find. Uh, green light means continue at the same rate of speed. Red light means I better stop. And yellow light means floor it, right? Hey, let's see what this Hemi will do. You know, here we go. Let's see if I can get away with it one more time. In life, there are yellow lights of caution. You find yourself always short with the kids. And you're snapping, and you're not sure why you're talking that way, but you're always short with them. It's yellow light. You find yourself not laughing anymore. People around you are laughing, and you're not. You find yourself at a happy moment, and it doesn't really excite you. You find yourself just tired all the time overstimulated. You can never stop. It seems like there always has to be something on. There always has to be something in your ears. You can just never can just stop long enough. All of these are yellow lights of caution. And what are you going to do when the yellow light comes on? Are you going to floor it and see if you can get away with it? 
Are you going to recognize it and slow down? Let me use that word slow, S-L-O-W, S. Stop the constant push for more. You don't always have to have that next thing. You don't always have to have that schedule so packed out. Rest is found whenever you realize whose you are. And you'll find that rest that you're longing for when you realize, realize whose you are rather than seeking it in what you do. Now, I'm not talking about lacking ambition. I'm not talking about being a slacker here. But sometimes we have to just stop the constant push for more. I always worry whenever I teach that, that there'll be somebody out there, uh, you know, dad tells his kid, hey, son, you need to study for your math test. And he'll look at him and go, dad, did you hear the sermon Sunday? Lash said that I'm supposed to stop the constant push for more. So I don't think I'm going to study, okay? It's biblical. Now, that's not what I'm preaching today, okay? Study for your math test. Work hard. Show up to work. Don't be a slacker. But realize you're not going to find ultimate satisfaction in what you do. You're going to find this rest that Jesus promised in realizing whose you are whose you are. L, learn to say no. How many of us have a problem saying no? Anybody admit that? Have a problem saying no? Yeah. Well, Jesus one time said, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Uh, Our yes should mean something. Our no should also mean something. And I think we, we fail to realize this sometimes, that every time you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something. And then again, there's a cultural reality here. Because of the great awareness that we have now, there are so many more things that we can say yes to. And so it becomes really easy to say, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll be here. Yes, I want to be a part of that. And we say, yes, 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 yes. And in the process of saying yes to all these things, we're also saying no to something. Every time we say yes, we're also saying no. And frequently we say yes to things that don't really matter, and in the process of that, we're saying no to things that really do matter. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. Then you say, no, I'm not going to be with my family tonight in order to do that. Sure, yeah, yeah, I'm all in. And in the process of that, you've just said no to church on Sunday, no to worshiping God. It's really easy to say yes to things and forget that every time you say yes, you also say no. And we have to reach that point where we prioritize and we simplify and we realize, okay, I cannot say yes to everything. Some of them are good things. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good stuff. It's just not the best. It's not the wise thing to do because for me to say yes to that means I'm going to have to say no to this, and this over here is actually much more important than that. You have to learn to say no. Oh, obtain the Sabbath habit. Again, I'm not trying to be Old Testament here and legalistic and say, hey, on Saturday you can't leave your home and all this kind of stuff. I'm just saying the principle of the Sabbath needs to become a habit in our lives where we set aside time for worship every day and you set aside a day of the week to unwind from the pressures of life. W, worship. 
Become a worshiper. One of the things that worship involves is listening to God. You see, every time we gather for worship, we open the Bible. Why? Because God has spoken. And God speaks to us in Scripture, and we are to hear it. And whenever we hear the words of God, it begins to change us and to transform our lives. But in order for us to hear the voice of God, we have to be listening to God. This scene unfolds in my house from time to time. I'll be sitting on the couch with the laptop open, and I'll be doing something, I don't know, uh, typing emails or something like that. And Stacy will come in and she'll say something. I'll say, uh-huh. And then she'll say something else. And I'll say, uh-huh. And then she'll say, are you listening to me? And I'll say, uh-huh. And then she'll say, well, what did I just say? And I'll say, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, I just got busted, okay? Because I was supposed to be listening, but I, I really wasn't listening. Well, worship involves listening to God and to hear Him. Sometimes you have to slow down. To hear Him, sometimes you have to turn the volume down, eliminate some distractions so that you can hear the still, small voice of God. Are the yellow lights going off in your life? You find in yourselves with caution lights all over the place because you've been pushing it too hard and too fast for too long. And God's saying, hey, you better slow down. What are you going to do? Floor it? See how long you can get away with it? Are you going to realize they're caution lights? God's speaking to you, and He wants you to listen. So my prayer for you today is that you will experience this great blessing that God has for you in learning to unplug from the world and find your rest in Christ. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? There might be someone here that whenever I tell you about Jesus and how He called us to come to Him and find rest in Him, you realize that Christ is your greatest need. And so you're at a point where you need salvation. You need to believe in Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Uh, during this next song, I'll be here at the front row, and I would invite you to come and see me, and I can help you with what it means to be a Christian and how you can place your faith in Christ today. I'll also be around here at the end of the service and we could talk at that point because that's the first step of faith in Christianity. And if you've never made that step, then I, I pray that today will be the day that you take your step of faith. The band's going to lead us in song. You can sing with them. You may feel led to pray during this time. You can come forward and pray. You can pray at your seat. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a good and gracious God. And we thank you, Lord, that in you there is satisfaction. In you there is rest deep within our soul. And so we pray, Lord, that we might experience that, that we might be new creations in Christ, that old things will pass away and all things will become new. And we pray, Lord, that we will find our identity in Christ and realize that when we know whose we are, everything about today changes. Lord, thank you that we have forgiveness for our past and purpose in our present. Thank you, Father, that there is hope for our future. And may we find rest in knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.